1: Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's get to a preview of The Guardian this week. You can find that program Saturdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. It's called The Guardian this week, so it features readings from The Guardian newspaper. Don Dickinson is the producer of that program and joins us now to talk about a couple of this week's interesting articles. Hey, good morning, Don. Hey there, Dave. How are you? I'm well. Nice to chat with you. I feel like it's been a million years because I was on vacation. <laughs> the show was on hiatus. You were on vacation last week. So, Don. great to chat with you once again. Yes. We're fresh at it. Fresh at it, exactly. New attitudes with me and Don. Hey, Don, let's uh, get into your first story here. We've been talking a lot about the cost of living in Canada. We've been sharing a lot of inflation numbers in Canada and the US as well. But we've had a bit of a blind spot when it comes to the UK. So, the first article is looking at the rise in cost of living and how it's affecting people in Britain. So, what are some of the stats?
0: Oh well, you know. Uh, let's face it. it; it's not good all the way around these days. But in Britain, it's particularly harsh. Um, they're having, they're facing a, a, a lot of increases uh, every day. It's kind of like a bleaker forecast on the news. Uh, last week, it was news that the energy price cap was set to rocket to three thousand three hundred and fifty-nine thousand pounds to four thousand two hundred and sixty-six thousand pounds. Now, I looked that up. That the energy price cap is the maximum amount suppliers can change their or sorry can charge their customers per year. So then, on top of that, the Bank of England, of course, announced the biggest interest rate hike in 27 years. Dave, um, this week, another stark reminder of the disastrous circumstances of this uh, uh, of this uh, crisis. Uh, a report predicting that 30. Five million people will be in fuel poverty by the end of the year. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, and uh, none of it's particularly good.
1: Thirty-five million people—that's a staggering, staggering number. That's a huge proportion of the population. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Don the 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 person who wrote this commentary in the Guardian is Zara Sultana, the Labour MP for Coventry South. What is she expressing in this commentary?
0: Well, basically she's saying that the public are owed solutions and that politicians are not doing anything. And she's saying politicians on on, on all sides. I mean, she's not just saying, you know, the opposition, right? Uh, she's saying that behind these headlines are real people, they're suffering, um, you know, they have a, 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 a real point here. Uh, the Guardian, Guardian actually has been doing a series called Heat or Eat, which uh, is talking to parents who can't put food on the table, mm. uh, private renters struggling to, you know, uh, basically just live, put a roof over their heads, uh, elderly people terrified of facing the upcoming winter with no money to pay these fuel bills. So she's saying, you know, like, this is we're in dire circumstances here, almost to the point of like war circumstances, you know, and she's saying, why aren't we doing more? Um, Often it's discussed as though it's inevitable, but she's saying it's not, not inevitable. Uh, None of it is. Millions of people are experiencing these cost of living increases, but the politicians are doing very little at this point in time. And she said, alongside a record squeeze on living standard, Britain is also home to record wealth.
1: Right. OK, let's get to that side of this conversation because there's been some really good reporting done in Canada on this. The Toronto Star did an excellent series a couple of weeks ago about the way in which Canadian uh, grocery chains have been jacking up prices way higher than the actual cost of inflationary pressures. And then that creates a double inflationary pressure. We had uh, a couple articles flowing around this week in the Canadian press about greedflation, about the way in which uh, many companies are taking advantage of the spread of inflation and increasing prices by proportionally more than they should be. What are the numbers in regards to multinationals and their profits that they're reporting?
0: Well, she's basically saying it's appalling. Uh, The multinational corporations such as BP, that's British Petroleum and Shell, have announced eye-watering profits, is how she phrased it, Uh, 50 billion, that's with A-B, Dave, uh, pounds, uh, for the oil giants at the last count, while this uh, year's Sunday Times rich list uh, revealed that Britain is home to more billionaires than ever. And meanwhile, bankers' bonuses have reached unparalleled levels, levels not seen since the 2008 financial uh, uh, crisis. So her quote was, it's a cost of living crisis for most and many, but it's a bonanza for the few. This crisis is the result of choice. Do we build an economy in Britain that satisfies corporate greed, or one that meets people's needs. Mm-hmm. Good point.
1: Yeah, and largely that boils down to tax policy, when it really comes down to it. I know that uh, anytime we start talking about tax policy, people's eyes glaze over because it's kind of boring, but uh, the reality is, when we're talking about those kinds of profits, tax policy is where the solution lies. Don, yeah, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned that uh, this has been brought on by this Labour this labor MP in Britain, but it was something that uh, UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez talked about last week as well, in regards to some of yeah. those first quarter profits it's uh, being over $100 billion for a couple of the biggest oil companies in the world since the beginning of the war in Ukraine. So those are quarterly profits of hundreds of billions of dollars that, that are an increase in profits. And again, that, that's on the backs of consumers. It, and, it, and it definitely is jarring in the way that it impacts people's lives.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I don't think people, you know, it's a great excuse the war, right? The war in Ukraine, it's a great excuse to just say, "Oh, well, this is the way it is." But she's saying, "No, no, 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 no. This is not necessarily the way it has to be."
1: Yeah, I, and I think it's one of those things where I think people have to be able to go a little bit deeper than just the way these things are covered in the media because it can get really dense to start covering and understanding economic theory, but it's it's worth the time to do it because you get a better understanding of not not just saying supply chain, inflations, war in Ukraine, food crisis. You have to be able to go just a teensy bit deeper to truly understand what these what these situations are. Don, let's uh, jump over to another buzzword that people love to use in this uh, in economic reporting. That's the labor shortage. The boss of the <laughs> yeah. mega retailer John Lewis is encouraging workers over the age of fifty to return to the workplace. What are the details here, Don?
0: Yes. Well, um, as you said, the boss of John Lewis, you know, huge retailer, right, has said that one million and mostly uh, uh, 50 people who were aged in the 50 uh, years uh, have left their jobs during the COVID pandemic. And he said those people should be encouraged to go back to work to tackle the labour shortage that is pushing up the inflation and the wages. Now, Dame Sharon White, a former second permanent secretary at the Treasury, said she has never seen such a difficult situation, economic situation facing businesses right now. Her quote was, one area that I think that has not had enough attention is what has happened in the job market over the period of the uh, pandemic with so many people in that particular age Uh, group leaving. So it's something to think
1: on. <laughs> Maybe those record record profits could uh, go towards uh, paying more frontline <laughs> workers and you'd get more people interested in taking the job. Uh, J- Don, over the course of late 2021 into early 2022, one of the expressions we heard was the great resignation referring to people changing jobs or leaving industries they'd worked for in a long time. Is that the accurate expression on what's happening here in regards to these folks over 50 trying to be encouraged to return to the labor force?
0: Well, she says not. And when you think about it, I, I totally agree with her, because she's saying that, you know, categorizing it as the great resignation just means they're leaving, the period. You know, they're just, oh, well, I'm done. I'm gone. I don't want to work anymore. But what she's think, saying is it really should be categorized as the great life reappraisal.
1: Ooh. because these. Ooh.
0: Well, it's true because it's not so much that a lot of these people want to completely leave. It's just that they want to have a different situation in their work life. And I think, well, and many others obviously think that this has become very evident during the pandemic when everybody was given the opportunity to work at home or to to do sort of a hybrid work where you do uh, at home and in the office, right? And she's saying that if if, if uh, options were given, um, you know, if the government were encouraging employers to 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 focus in on people's needs, that the, so a large many of the, of these uh, fifty plus folks would come back to the workplace. They might come back on a part-time basis. They might come back, as I said, on this hybrid uh, uh, method, but it would be something that it would give them the option. They would probably be pleased because they'd be earning again. but it's, it, it would be something that would greatly benefit the economy in general.
1: Yeah, I, just the amount of abuse that people in frontline retail took during the course of the pandemic, I can definitely understand why they wouldn't want to go back to that. I can also understand why someone over 50, and I don't want to make too many generalizations here, but there is still a pandemic brewing out there, won't necessarily want to be in a place where masks are no longer required.
0: Correct, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But
0: you know what, Dave? I mean, uh, it's a different mindset. I was thinking about this the other day because, you know, they used to, the banks used to have this wonderful tagline about Freedom 50, right? (laughs) Um, That's disappeared. (laughs) Uh, I don't think anybody's thinking Freedom 50 anymore, you know? Uh, By the time you get your kids... Out of the nest and all the rest of it—it's uh, you're you're teetering in your fifties there, and then it's the time to really buckle down and save some cash, you know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what you're feeling about this, but. Uh, do, I mean do you have a sense of, of how long you think you're going to be in the workplace
1: or well D- Don I'll, I'll already tell you this and it's it's funny when we hit these little teensy generation gaps because when I was sort of in the 17 to 18 range it was already freedom 55 so it wasn't even freedom 50 anymore oh. when I was like <laughs> 17 or 18. so now obviously I think we're looking at sort of freedom 67 freedom 70 <laughs> being the number that people are talking about Don I'll, I'll be honest I, I I love my job right I really I really really do. I, I, I get great enjoyment from the two hours that I spend live here every day. So I could do this into my seventies for sure, without question. But I also acknowledge that I have some privilege here. I don't do hard labor, right? I, I do some mental labor, but I don't, I, I don't sacrifice my body to do the kind of work that I do. I really feel, feel for people who are having to do a lot of work at lower paid wages. That's so, so physical that it can, that, that, that it might not even be their choice to walk away at 67 or 65 or 70 because their body will no longer allow them to do it. I, I have great, great sympathy uh, for folks who are going through those kinds of situations.
0: Yes. Yes. No, absolutely. Dave, you know, physically demanding work, um, When you're in your, you know, 30s, 40s, and, uh, you know, you you can handle it, right? But by the time you get into your 50s in those jobs, boy, I tell you, it takes a toll on the body. Yeah. You're up.
1: Right, but I I think the theme that runs through this entire conversation, Don, is that when we're talking about rising cost of living, rising costs of housing, I think especially housing, that if people are spending so much of their money and disposable income to keep a roof over their head, it doesn't allow for any kind of extra saving. And certainly, we've seen the increase in housing has sort of become the the great Canadian retirement model. But that's not necessarily a sustainable or great idea. And on the flip side, going back to this notion of education and economic literacy really our system in education does a really poor job of of equipping people with economic literacy so that even if they wanted to start investing or finding opportunities to try and get into the market and do some saving, whether it be through stocks, bonds, GICs, whatever that may be, they're really not given the tools to do that. So again, it's a a whammy across so many different positions. In some cases folks can't make the ends meet but even if they can, they're having trouble actually being able to maximize maximize the money they do have.
0: Yes, absolutely true. I, I often think back about, you know, all the stuff that you learn in school that's just, like, completely useless. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, <laughs> you know, even high school, never even, never even talking about, you know, university. And, and yet, it would be so and I think they're doing it now because they have recognized it. But it's fundamental, you know, having a, a, a sort of a knowledge of investment and, 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 and how to set a budget and all the rest of it. I mean, they are doing that now in high schools. Thank God, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we missed out on that entirely. I mean, you know, I basically it just had no education whatsoever <laughs> and, until I got into the workforce.
1: I remember you know? in home economics, they taught us how to cook pasta. I can't believe that took six months for them to try and teach us to do. Like, <laughs> hey, boil water, put noodle in water. And uh, they taught us some uh, sewing basics. Now, by the way, I think sewing basics is quite useful. But um, to, again, to spend six months on how to sort of thread a needle is not necessarily everything you need to know. So, Don, I think that's well put through and through. Before we let you go, Don, I know we've gone a little long with you today, but I want to ask you our daily poll question, which folks can find at AMI-audio on Twitter, Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Don, I'm sure in the last six months you've noticed there are a lot more debit and credit point of sales terminals popping up new ones. Are you finding them hard to navigate? Yes. No. Or you haven't really noticed them.
0: Oh my God. They're frustrating. Dave. Absolutely frustrating. I, I just, I had a haircut the other day and, uh, I think I must have tried my card about five times and the (sighs) fellow said to me oh well it's a new machine I said okay so like where exactly (laughs) am I supposed to be tapping here you know and he said oh forget it just put your card in you know so (laughs) I can understand you're visually impaired I mean it must be so frustrating I just
1: forget it just slide it in over here it'll be fine uh Dawn thank you for this we're it's so great that we got a chance to connect with you again today we've missed you the last couple weeks
0: (laughs) okay Dave take care
1: You've been listening to Now with Dave Brown. Hit the subscribe button on any podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review.
0: The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.